Wow, that's awesome. Love that song. Makes me want to sing some more. No, 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 no. Well, good morning, everybody. Hopefully you're fired up and ready to go. Happy April. We got more snow this last week than, can you believe this stuff? Man, someone's messing with us here. I heard we had an awesome bridal shower yesterday. <clears throat> and I heard Aaron won a, a prize for the, the game, the, the phone game or something like that. Now, now, my guess is that the women do games a little different than the guys do. Yeah. You know, you, you don't have to eat sardines and, and stuff like that. No, no, nothing like that. <laughs> Can you believe my wife met Giannis? We'll be talking about that when we're 85 and all that kind of stuff. Oh, you got to love it. So the theme for April for the whole pack is faithful in April 2.0. I'll say we're going to we're going to be faithful. So, you know, this month is going to go by like, uh, you know, like that. There is a lot of stuff that we're doing. Uh, starting tomorrow, uh, the Montanos and Barb and I are going to be going to Kentucky to spy out the land uh, as we're going to be planting a church in Kentucky. And then after that, you know, when we're done with that, we're going to go to Columbus to go, uh, go see the church there. Uh, and then uh, as soon as they found out that we were coming, of course, we're speaking Friday night, Saturday morning, and Sunday service. How's that happen? So it is what it is, you know. Then, of course, Jack is, is leaving Jack is awesome. Isn't Jack amazing? What would the church be without Jack? He's in Kids Kingdom right now. Um, of course, then we got our Easter service in uh, Chicago, and it's always great to get with the Chicago church and do crazy things. And then we have a wedding. Just a, And then, of course, then we go into May. It's easy to lose your focus, is it not? So much happening. And if you're like me, your mind can go like that. Uh, what, what movie is that with the, the dogs that where they see a squirrel and they go, squirrel? <laughs> that's, that's my mind. That can go like that. And we got to keep reeling it in. And so I learned a long time ago how to walk and chew gum at the same time. So Now... Uh, you know, th these are not minor things that we're going to be doing this, this month. Malik getting married, that's like, it makes you believe in miracles, doesn't it? Just, there is a God, that kind of thing. Now, think about it. We have had three weddings since September. That, that's a lot of work. These young people, you know, getting. And then we're planning a church. That's not, there's nothing minor about that. We're going to talk a little bit about that. It's pretty radical because we got people coming from Houston, from Portland, Minneapolis, Columbus, Boston, and Milwaukee. All right? And, and so we're, we're kind of throwing these people who don't know each other, but there's a lot of reasons why they want to go. And so we have to talk to them, find out where they're at and stuff like that. <clears throat> but this is what a movement does. When you're in a movement, people move. 
Now, you think about Jesus, wasn't he like that? He was always on the move. He was always, hey, let's go to this town. Let's go to that town. But the cool thing is, wherever he went, there was miracles. And that's what we got to do. A lot of this are miracles. The changed lives, the transformation that people went through, it's, it's kind of radical. But imagine walking with Jesus. Wouldn't that be a blast? Just a, oh, did you see what he just did there? That was awesome. Silences the Pharisees. Just kind of, this is cool. I would love to see it. All right? Now, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at how some average people move Jesus to do miracles. All right, let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Now, we can do the same. Luke chapter 5. And uh, most people know this whole situation. The title of my lesson is Everyone Was Amazed. Everyone was amazed. Did you ever do something that amazed people? Not a lot of people have. Okay. Uh, all right. You know, sometimes I'll go home and I'll do the dishes and Barb is amazed. Vacuum and it was like second coming kind of stuff. Uh, when I was in high school, I, I built this uh, clock. It wasn't a grandfather's clock. It was a grandmother's clock. It's a little bit late. And then they have a granddaughter's. But I built that. And so people come over to our house. You can see it. I'll say, I made that. People are like, you made that? You, whoa. Amazing. Amazing. <clears throat> and then sometimes things happen to you that are amazing. Like when I was uh, about 10 years old, I got struck by lightning. Oh, did you hear that? Whoa. Yeah, that is, that's out there. It's amazing. Uh, Barb and I went to school in Malaysia. All right. And uh, we actually went to uh, Borneo. And we stayed with a tribe of aborigines who hunt with blowpipes and poison darts. That's pretty amazing. I even have a blowpipe that I brought home. You can look at it. I can show you. But then you got people who do amazing things. Have you ever heard of Houdini? Houdini was awesome. He was a magician, and he did crazy stunts. Like one stunt, they, they put him in a trunk, and they bound it up, and they broke through the ice in a river, and they put him under, and, uh, and then the, what happened was the trunk floated down the river. He got out of it, and he couldn't find the hole. So he kept breathing the uh, air in the pockets uh, above the, uh, under the ice. And it's like, oh, my gosh. And he was under there for like 20 minutes, People thought he was dead, and they started leaving. <laughs> thought he was dead. Yeah, they started leaving. But he had practiced beforehand sitting in ice in his bathtub for, you know, days on end. And so he got used to the cold. But it's kind of a crazy thing that what people will do to amaze you. People are out there sometimes. Like, what were they thinking? Okay. But now Jesus, he wasn't a magician. And it wasn't about him, and he changed the world. All right, let's read it. Luke chapter 5, starting verse 17. It says, One day, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law, who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat. And tried to take him 
into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to, on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed. There's the title of the lesson. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. We look at this passage and it really is amazing to see what Jesus has done. Of course, he gets some kickback from the, the Pharisees. They're not, you know, dwelling on what's going to happen. They're focused on, you know, their, their thought process. So how did these guys, and that's the question, get Jesus to do this miracle? They were just average guys, and they did it. Well, we're going to look at this. Point number one is they had compassion. Now, we don't know how many men there were. But they had to work together, uh, and they did some pretty crazy stuff. They dragged this guy to the roof, dug a hole in the ceiling, and lowered him down. Okay? It had to have taken some sort of heart behind this to do it. My guess is that they were either close friends or relatives. <clears throat> and somewhere along the guy, the line, the guy became a paralytic. Now, this can happen with disease or it can happen with an accident. And maybe these guys are his buddies from work. And they were working and an accident happened and broke his back. And they're like, oh my gosh, what do we do? Close friends. And maybe it was one of the guy's fault that it happened. That his back was broken. Imagine how you felt about that. And so they were motivated to get him healed. And they knew about Jesus. They're like, hey, let's take him there. And so there's a lot here. They, they had to be moved in heart. Now the word compassion means a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. Okay, so it goes beyond the feeling to an action. You're motivated to alleviate their suffering. <clears throat> now, the question is, are you moved by compassion? Uh, do you see the pain in Milwaukee? Do you see the pain in Ukraine? There's things that people are suffering. Does it move you to do something about it? And there's the difference. That's the next level, the next step. There's a decision to be made. You want to see miracles? That's what you got to do. You got to go from the feeling to the action. And Jesus definitely engaged in the action. Now, uh, one of the reasons we came to Milwaukee was because Barb and I are from Wisconsin. 
And uh, when Kip asked us, where do you want to go? I said, I want to go back home. Why? Because of the heart we have for Wisconsin. And there were other people who came on the, the team who also had family and friends here, like the holders. They came. Why? Because they had relatives here. They had friends here. And as a result, Marvell and Malik both get baptized and they're disciples and all that. But if they hadn't come here, the odds would be a lot slimmer that they would have made it. And so, of course, God determines the times and places, but he works through us to create miracles. And trust me, it was a miracle to get Malik there. And Myron. But wasn't it true for all of us? Man, there's, there's things that we had to really deal with to, to deal with to get there. Okay, you think about other things that people do. You, you remember that guy who ran through the crowd in Waukesha with his car or truck and killed all these people? It moved a lot of those people to action. GoFundMe and all sorts of things that they did. And really, that's the heart of Jesus. That's, that's what's got to be on our heart. And this is why we're going to Louisville. We have a heart to change not just Wisconsin, but United States and the world. Now, there are people who are going to Louisville who have family there. Well, why would they do that? Because they have compassion for their family. And that's how this whole thing works. <clears throat> now, imagine this situation, okay? There's a huge crowd around Jesus, and you can't get through. And you're carrying your buddy on the mat. And you're thinking, what do I got to do? Now, they're driven by compassion, but the second point is you got to get aggressive. All right? So the level of your concern or compassion will dictate how aggressive you are. How deep your compassion will move you to be aggressive. <clears throat> they see the crowd, but it didn't stop them. It moved them past that. And that's what a great leader does in the movement, in the church. They don't let obstacles stop them from rescuing people. They, they push past. They figure a way. question is, what stops you from helping people? What stops you from making disciples? And what are the excuses you use? Well, I don't know what to do. Well, ask. Somebody will tell you what to do. Well, I don't know how to help. Well, find someone. And, and it just takes heart. If you want to learn, you can figure a way to do it. There's a movie that came out years ago uh, called Lorenzo's Oil. Have any of you seen it? Lorenzo's Oil. It's a true story, very intense. If you want to cry a lot, watch this movie. Okay, It's a true story, and you got Nick Nolte and Susan Saranda in it, and they're the parents of this kid named Lorenzo. And Lorenzo's a little guy, but he gets this disease, and there's no cure for the disease, and the doctors tell him there's nothing we can do. And it's a debilitating disease where you start losing the functions of your body to the point where you get in a coma and then eventually you die. And they know about the disease and, and they have meetings where the, all these parents have their kids there and they know they're all going to die. And it's very depressing. All right. But the father won't take no for an answer. And uh, they're, they're a wealthy couple. So... He quits his job, and he pours all of his energy into learning how to find a cure for this disease. Quits his job, and he spends his whole day and night at the library. 
trying to find and calling people, trying to find, and he's, he's, he's learning all about the body and how it works and this disease, and he's trying to come up with a cure. And he finds something that he thinks it might work, and he starts giving it to him. Now, by this time, he's on the bed. He can't move. He's just laying there, and they have to feed him through a tube. And uh, they're giving him this stuff, and it stops the progression. And everybody, all the, everybody's like, oh, my gosh. And the parents are like, give it to my kid. Give it to my kid. And the, the, the authorities are saying, no, it's not approved. And they're like, I don't care. He's dying. It's very, like, emotional and how aggressive the parents are to get the help. And then what ends up happening is years go by. And now he's, like, big. And they're still feeding him. And all of a sudden, they notice that he's blinking to try to communicate. And they find out that he's bored out of his mind because they keep reading him these third-grade books, you know, and he wants something else to be read to him. But it begins to reverse the whole cycle. And he, be, he comes up with this cure. And uh, they, at the end, they show the parents and Lorenzo and all the, the kids that were rescued. And now there is a cure for it. But here you got a, a, a father who's like, no, this is not going to happen to my son. And he, he was driven to do it. Of course, uh, I don't know if it was Harvard or one of those, gave him uh, a master's uh, just because of all of his, his work. And so we see examples of that around the world. That needs to be us, because that was Jesus. If you're really moved and you see the pain, nothing stops you. These guys were willing to carry the guy to the roof, dig through the roof, and lower him down. They didn't care about what the owners of the house thought. Can you imagine the owner? What the heck? Oh, come on. You know, and who knows? You got this huge crowd. Crowd, maybe they're destroying things and breaking chairs, and who knows? But they're, not only that, they're not caring that it's going to affect Jesus' little sermonette, whatever he's doing, and dust and stuff. I'm sure is falling down, and Jesus keeps going. But they didn't care. They were more concerned about rescuing their friend. Do obstacles stop you? You know, I was talking to a brother uh, a few weeks ago, and he's like, you know what, I'm depressed. I'm like, what's the deal? He's like, I keep sharing my faith, but nobody's responding. I said, there's a ton of open people out there. I mean, we got so many studies. Yeah, but they're not responding to me. And, and it's really, why are you doing it? Is it for you or for them? And is it going to stop you from doing what you know is right? There's got to be a spirit of compassion and a spirit to be aggressive. And then point number three, you've got to have a plan. You know, I imagine these guys, they're huddling up. Okay, we've got to figure out a way to get into this. We didn't know this crowd's going to be here. What are we going to do? How, do? how do we handle this? What do we do? I know. We'll just push everybody down. And then we'll force our way in. They're like, no, no, no. That would, that would bother Jesus. He probably wouldn't heal him there. All right, I know. You go act like you're demon-possessed, flop around and every, distract everybody, and then we'll, we'll sneak in. <laughs> I don't know what they came up with, but this doesn't seem to be much better, okay? 
I know. Somebody goes, let's carry him to the roof, dig a hole. Oh, that sounds easy. Uh, no one will notice that. Uh, you know, it's just like, okay, you, you got a plan. Okay. Well, you got a better idea? No, I don't have a better idea. Okay, let's do it. Now, we're, we're, we're planting Louisiana. You got to have a plan. Can you imagine if we just sent them there and said, good luck. Let us know how that goes. What did I say? Oh, maybe that's the spirit working. Okay, amen. Who knows? Maybe you're going there. Okay, so we're going next week. Why? Because we, we're spying out the land. We've got to find out what's going on there. Now, we do know people who have lived there and all that. We've talked to them. But what's the university like? Where should people live? How are we going to do the finances? Where are we going to have the church service? Timing. People are moving at different times. Finances. How is this all going to work? And we had to do the same with Milwaukee. We had to come up with a plan. And some plans are not very good. Okay? Not really good. But that's, I think God really likes that because it makes the miracle more amazing. Okay? You did what? And it worked? Oh my gosh. Yeah, it worked. Can you believe that? Dig through a roof? All right? You got to have strong faith for that. But you got to have a plan. But the other thing is, you got to have a team. Point number four. Imagine if there was only one guy here. How would that work? Now he's dragging him, you know. Can't get through, so he drags him up the roof, tries to dig it, and just drops him through, okay? He, he doesn't feel anything. He's a paralytic, right? His head's going like that, you know, kind of thing. It takes team. Well, I can imagine even with four of them, they're running his foot into things and all sorts of stuff. <coughs> Probably scratched a few things, but it is what it is. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Team is necessary. We're called to work together. I want you to look at Paul's spirit here. In, in chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. <clears throat> now it, it literally says that God had opened a door, meaning people were responding. And he says, listen, I, I have no peace of mind. You know, my brother wasn't there, and so I left. And you can see how valuable it was for Paul to have Titus there. The question is, do you value each other like that? It takes team to, to really have an impact because Jesus said, oh, men will know your disciples by what? Your love for one another. And therefore, we've, we've got to work together. And there's a lot of people here. Uh, they come into the kingdom and, man, we tag team. We pull in all sorts of people. Think about how many people were involved with your transformation. 
pull in all sorts of people in. Why? Because that's, then they build more relationships. And they might relate more with whomever you pull in than you. <clears throat> and that's how God works. But whatever the case, it's loving each other as much as you love God. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, sorry. 2 Corinthians 12 is awesome too. Verse 14. Now, you, you'll, if you're around long enough, you'll hear me read this a lot because it's, it's huge. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14. Now, the body is not made up of one part but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, he would not, for that reason, cease to be a part of the body. And the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, to cease to be part of the body. If the body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body every one of them just as he wanted them to be, if there were all one part, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. God says, listen, I have a plan for the church. He says, I'm going to raise people up. That's what he says in verse 18. God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as what he wanted them to be. And so everybody has a role. Now imagine we send the Montanos, and it's just them. You know, uh, Victor is a one-man band, okay? He's got to do the song leading, which is scary right there. Okay, we can stop right there. He's got to do the administration. All right, he, he's got to uh, set up, tear down. He's got to do communion, contribution, sermon, close. He's got to do it all. And And... If you go on a mission team, you know how much you value other people. When we landed here with 21, everybody wore a number of hats, okay? But we knew we had to work together as a team to make it go. And God blessed it, like, right away. Uh, Max was, was baptized even before we had our inaugural. But when we landed there, most of the people didn't know each other. And we spent a tremendous amount of time just doing fun things together, to have a lot of talks. Why? Because the unity is really key to making it happen. Happen. Now, I want you to think about how the paralytic felt after he's healed. What do you think he felt for his guys? Just an immense amount of gratitude. That's what happens in the church. We work together to help each other. Now, We've had three weddings, like I said. There was a lot of work there, and we're not even done, okay? <laughs> but to, to set everything up, even the moves and all that, all the training, the premarital counseling, the, the working on what exactly is going to happen at the wedding, that's all team. Imagine if you didn't have that, if they didn't have that. That's what happens in the world. 
There was a brother one time, he was trying to raise money for special contribution. And he saw a thing, uh, I don't know where it was, <coughs> but a guy was hiring people to stand up in his wedding. <coughs> I can't even imagine that. He's like, okay, 50 bucks, I'll do it. So he did it. He's like, I didn't know anybody. But I was up there. He's like, what the heck? We take things for granted, okay? We sure do. But unity is really a huge key here. It brings gratitude. You know, I appreciate so much what Shane did. Didn't Shane do an awesome job earlier? Okay, he talked about contribution, but he, he talked about how it was other people's special contribution that saved his life and rescued him. And it motivates him that gratitude to give to help other people to change. Now, think about all the changes that's gone on in here. That's, that's a lot of effort and energy to make it happen. But there's another element. <clears throat> that element is called faith. These guys had to believe that Jesus would heal their friend. Otherwise, they wouldn't have even done this. They wouldn't have even gone the extra mile to get it done. They had to believe that this is our only option. What are you going to do? You know, the year zero or 32, how, how are you going to help this guy? <clears throat> and he may have been damaged beyond hope, and they just thought, you know what, we just got to make this happen. Now, today, a lot of people have options, and they use drugs and therapy and all that. Not that that's wrong. I'm not saying that's wrong. But a lot of times, Jesus is the last one they turn to to get the hope. A lot of people can get freed of stuff because the issue may be a sin issue and they're just feeling guilty. Victor and I were studying with a guy who was depressed and we were studying the Bible with him and uh, he was changing and he's growing and he's getting happy. And we we're like, wow, this is awesome. You're growing, you're changing. And then he informed us, I don't want to study anymore. And he says, because I love my sin too much. Like, but you were getting happy. And see, this is what happens. Some people, they just don't want it. And some people will live the life of the paralytic because nothing's expected of them. That's very challenging. Now, I've seen people with amazing plans that fail miserably. They just... They, they got this idea. I mean, they put energy and time, and they printed out stuff, and they set things up, and it just fails. Why? Because put the, they relied on those things rather than God to make it happen. Then I've seen people come up with plans that are just like, what are you thinking? And it, and it succeeds because they, they rely on God. Now, I want a little little do something little here, okay? I want you to raise your hand, all right, if you believe that people are suffering in Milwaukee. Oh, well, amen. All right. I want you to raise your hand if you believe that people are actually seeking God in Milwaukee. All right. How many of you believe that God wants to help them? Oh, this is good. I'm liking this. All right. How many of you believe you have the answers to help them? Okay. 
How many of you believe that God can work through you to help them? Okay. <clears throat> if you don't, maybe it's a faith issue. The question is, if you believe all this stuff, then why aren't you doing it? That's the challenge. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, go make disciples. That's for everybody. Do you work through the obstacles, or do you let them stop you? <clears throat> now, we've grown, and we've, we're actually sending people out. We've sent people out the last few years. We'd be a lot bigger church if we didn't send people out. And we've sent a lot of leaders. We sent out five staff people last year. That's crazy. All right? Why? Because we work as a team, like I talked about earlier. It's not just the Milwaukee church, all right? It's God's church. God's church is all over the world. And so we work together to win the world. Can't just be right here. But the question is, are you a part of that? Are you the part of the team that makes it happen? Do you believe that God wants to work through you? I want you to think about these guys. Did it take a lot of brains to do what they did? Any of us could have done that. More brawn. Yeah, thanks. And sometimes we think we've got to be a certain place when we're not. You know, God's like, no. no it, it doesn't take that. It takes heart. <clears throat> you know, the, the whole idea of it, you've got to picture this thing. They're not able to get through. They're like, what do we do? Let's, let's drag this guy up. And they're dragging him up. And maybe they're hitting him on things. And they're, It's taking energy. You're climbing, carrying a guy to the roof. Then you're having to dig through it. I can't imagine that was too easy. If you have a roof, you're going to want to make sure the rain doesn't get in, right? And so you're digging that out of there. And so it's taking effort. And then all of you have to drop him, drop him down. Because if you only do two of them, he's going to go like that and, you know, fall out. So you all have to be coordinated together to do it. But it wasn't this great insight and wisdom. It was just a heart and love for his, their friends. <clears throat> the issue is they made it happen. They're willing to take it to the next level. And are we? Are we willing to do it? <clears throat> and things can stop you, like I said, fear, anxiety, Maybe apathy. Have you guys ever seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge? Okay, Hacksaw Ridge. It's a true story about a guy named Desmond Doss. All right, he went to the Battle of Okinawa, which is uh, against the Japanese, right? And um, it was the second bloodiest battle of World War II. And this guy was a religious guy who refused to carry a gun because he said, I'm not going to kill anybody. And the people are like, I don't want him with us because he's not going to carry a gun. All right, he's not going to have my back. And so he fought it, and they finally said, okay, we'll make you a medic. All right, so he became a medic. <clears throat> and, uh, but before he did, his, his, uh, the other guys harassed him. They, they called him a coward and everything else. So what does he do? And I'm going to read this to you. It says, Private Desmond Doss walked the bloodiest battle of World War II's Pacific Theater with nothing to protect himself except for his Bible and faith in God. Uh, he enlisted as a medic and refused to carry a rifle. 
The fighting took place in uh, the Medea uh, Escarpment in April 1945. The battlefield located on the top of a sheer 400-foot cliff was fortified with deadly network of Japanese <clears throat> uh, machine gun nests and booby traps. The, the escarpment, nicknamed Hacksaw Ridge for the treacherous steep cliff, was key to winning the Battle of Okinawa. The mission was thought to be near impossible, and when Doss's battalion was ordered to retreat, the medic refused to leave his fallen comrades behind. Facing heavy machine gun and artillery fire, Doss repeatedly ran alone into the kill zone, carrying wounded soldiers to the edge of the cliff and single-handedly lowering them down to safety. Each time he saved a man's life, Doss prayed out loud, Lord, please help me get one more. By the end of the night, he had rescued an estimated 75 men. The always modest Doss reckoned he saved about 50, but his fellow soldiers gazed it, gauged it closer to 100, and they decided to split the difference. Okay, you got to look at this guy. Yeah. You got to look at this guy. These guys were harassing him, calling him a coward. And yet he was the only one that was willing to stay on top of the, the ridge. And he dragged these people to the ridge, tied rope around them, and dropped them down 400 feet by rope. And he continued to do this throughout the night. Imagine that. And he got the Medal of Honor. Only person to ever receive the Medal of Honor who was unwilling to carry a gun. And see, a lot of people are grateful for his sacrifice. And that's what we want. We want to look at the cross. Jesus is the only one who could have done it. He was willing to go the extra mile. As an example to us of how valuable you and I are. He had compassion. He had a, a plan, and he was willing to apply it. He was aggressive. <clears throat> and see, we can work with God. We can do miracles too. God wants to do miracles through our lives. People want to be amazed. Well, amaze them. Engage in the battle. Inspire people with your, your goal, your plan. <clears throat> now, you think about it. This guy wouldn't have been healed if it wasn't for his four buddies. It wouldn't have happened. How many more people would, could be healed if we all engaged in this thing together? I'm going to close with a challenge. I want you to come up with a plan this week. Don't wait. Grab a few others and say, here's my plan. Be aggressive and let, let's, let us do miracles. Amen?